Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Eva Helen. Eva is a seasoned business executive and an experienced board member. She has over 20 years of experience in high tech with international business, strategy, operations, and finance. As a co-founder, president, and COO of Sambolic, she oversaw global sales and partner development in the areas of software, IT infrastructure, computing, networking, and cloud technologies, as well as the company's operations and finance. Her new book, Women in Tech, a book for guys, is written for men in tech wanting to make more of a difference for women or for HR professionals, consultants, and executives needing tools to help men increase their gender issue awareness. Women in Tech is a much needed guide for changing the workplace for good. Welcome to the show, Eva. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. Sure. So let's get started. Um, Eva, as a woman in tech, can you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? Do you really want me to start from oh, the very beginning? <laughs> start from wherever you like, but okay, it, it yes. is, you know, give everybody an idea of how we progress through our career journeys. So I didn't know anything about technology when I came over from Europe um, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. but I landed in Silicon Valley and thought that, you know, somebody must want me here. Look at all these big companies. And I kind of knocked on doors until I got my first job in tech. And as I spoke some languages, I was able to get a job in international sales. And I found that technology was incredibly fascinating. So then I actually went on to uh, co-founding a couple of software companies, both with good exits. Um, The second one we ran for 15 years and uh, we were acquired by Citrix in 2015. But throughout my entire career in tech, I kind of always felt like I should know more about technology and still people were always telling me that I knew way more than your average salesperson. Um, But I think it was mostly because I cared so much, not just about the technology itself, but what it could actually do for potential customers Mm -hmm. that I wanted the depth knowledge. Um, but I had years when every Sunday I would say, oh, I wish I was an engineer. Maybe I should go back to school. And the response was always, well, you have enough people around you to support you and help you. And that was obviously true. But I love technology um, in all of its forms, uh, not consumer technology as much as um, data center technology, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also you know, very fascinated with working 
with and selling to the people who are in that world. I find it uh, very fascinating. That's awesome. Did you, um, what was that moment that you knew you wanted to be in tech? What, what did that feel like? What was it? Did somebody introduce you to tech? You know, tell me just a little bit about how did you get attracted to tech? It, I think it was just driving around in Silicon Valley and just, uh-huh. you know, seeing all those companies and thinking somebody must want me. I mean, I had finished my education in Sweden um, and I always thought that I was going to work with people. I was going to work in HR, organization, uh, organizational behavior, or anything sort of a little bit softer side, uh-huh. perhaps a supporting role. I didn't think of myself at all as an entrepreneur. Um, I had never been a big risk taker and still tend to be a little bit more conservative perhaps than your average entrepreneur. Um, so it was it was just, you know, one step led to the next. And then once <clears throat> I was into my, the, the first company um, that, that I was part of founding, it was, um, it became, it was very tangible back then, you know, it wasn't all virtual and virtual servers mm-hmm. in a virtual environment. It was actually, you know, we were building servers and installing, um, motherboards and, and pulling cables and building mm-hmm. storage solutions. And it was very easy, I think, or I imagine that it was easier to learn back then than perhaps now where everything is you know, it's there, but it's virtual and it's not, it's, it's more difficult to get an in-depth understanding of data center technology if you're not in the middle of it, like physically, I think, but I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to anybody about that specifically who's like 25 years younger and can tell me exactly how they have learned. Or if somebody has done some of both, right, to kind of compare, because yeah. I I also was in that on-prem world in IT, and it was easier to navigate. It was easier to troubleshoot, I think. Mm. Uh, something silly, as an example, is, you know, when we went from DOS to Windows, mm. people were just, you know, to do help desk or to be able to troubleshoot their problems, it was very difficult because they go click happy is what I would call it. And they didn't even know what they clicked on. So it was <laughs> very hard to replicate that same situation, yeah. um, you know, as it was in DOS. DOS was command prompt and you knew what you know, you were doing it either did it or it didn't. So I think you're right there. You know, it's not as complex uh, when, when you have it on-prem, but the cloud kind of makes it, or, you know, data centers make it a little more complex that it's hard to navigate or troubleshoot, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no. And it was, um, you know, so I really like through my education and <clears throat> I didn't really know anything about technology, but, you know, one thing led to to, to the next and we had our first uh, company was acquired by Autodesk and then we started Symbolic right after that. And we actually built um, a clustered file system um, and built the first kind of geo-distributed clusters of data um, before cloud. So... It, it was it was an interesting time and it was a very long journey and the technology that we built was incredibly complex and obviously mm-hmm. you know I didn't take part of the development 
um, of the product. I just uh, had it explained to me and then I went on to selling it. So what was the entrepreneur bug? What, what happened that made you say, oh, I want to start a company? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so part of, you know, the story that is now starting to come out, which is really fascinating and the space that I'm in right now is, um, and it's funny, even after all these years, I kind of hesitate a little bit when I share this big part of my story, as we talk a lot about being transparent and, and being authentic and mm -hmm. bringing our whole selves to work and all of that <laughs> stuff. I never did because I actually ran these companies together with my husband mm -hmm. and nobody knew that we were married. Mm. So That's interesting. Yes, it is. It's a very interesting story. And I actually, um, you know, now I kind of enjoy talking about it, but it was very, it wasn't, of course, the people that worked for us and everybody who was at the company and very close to us, they all knew. But when it came to partners or customers or, um, uh, you know, resellers, anything like that, they didn't know because we felt that it didn't, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter, right. And same thing with- Do you think that's um, a culture thing? Do you think well, that was a culture thing or was it really, you know, a business related? No, it was a business, it was a business thing. I mean, purely because it was, it was almost like, well, it's not nobody's business, right? Mm -hmm. What we do in our personal time doesn't have anything to do with how we're running the company and how we're doing it and how we're building it and the relationships that we're building with partners and customers and investors and, you know, potentially VCs. And then you get to a certain point in relationships where you kind of have to disclose things, right? Mm -hmm. but for the most part, I was my own person and I was not, you know, we were not, uh, and he was doing his thing. So he was doing product and um, product and marketing, and I was doing sales operations and, and finance. And wow. it was never an issue ever. It was actually pretty fascinating. And it was really hard when we actually stopped working together because that's all we knew. We had never done anything other than mm. work together. Um, so who was the boss? It depends. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, I think, you know, when it came to product and marketing, he was the boss and yep. that's great to, to sales operations and finance. I was the boss. I mean, that's great. We compliment each other and still to this day, we're still mm -hmm. married. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah. So, so he is the entrepreneur to answer mm -hmm. your question. Okay. okay. And I'm more of the conservative um, person. So there is the, you know, the nice balance where um, that, that we found. That is really a nice balance because women tend to be more conservative. And I always use this analogy is that, you know, men entrepreneurs will say, let's build it and they will come. And I say, bring them here first and then I'll build it. <laughs> a little more conservative so I think yeah I think that blend is very healthy yeah yeah no it worked it worked out well for us for sure very nice so you're an author as well so tell us about your book so um when we were then done uh with Sambolic 
we were we had been moved over to back to the west coast and i was networking a lot and running a lot to women's events uh women in business women in tech um any kind of networking events that i could find and i i spoke at a lot of them as a you know successful female entrepreneur yeah. in the enterprise software space there was um a lot of people wanted to hear uh, that success story so that was fun but i thought it was really strange that there were no men present at all these events where women were getting together and talking about you know potentially what they could do with their careers and what was the next move and what were the things that were painful and good and bad and so on so i started uh something called women in tech events for guys through my company nice. through inspiration that's awesome and uh you know women were absolutely very welcome uh but they couldn't come without bringing a man along mm. and so that's how i got 55 60 percent men in the audience and i would have women like you share your story about you know somebody who had mentored you or maybe mm -hmm. a good sponsor or a good manager that you had had um mm -hmm. sometime in your career and then i would have a panel of men on stage who I would interview and talk to them about um, their willingness to support women and minorities, their awareness around inequality in the workplace and what actions they were actually taking. And all these amazing stories came to light and I thought, this is fantastic. How can I get more of these stories and share them with a broader audience? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to start doing interviews, not really with the plan of writing a book. I didn't really know where it was going to take me, but mm -hmm. I did uh, 60 um, hour long interviews with men in tech from CEOs to individual contributors and interviewed them about everything like their background, how they grew up, what their parents were like, if they had any sisters, brothers, um, to if there was an, a moment kind of when they realized that they were perhaps treated differently than other people? And did that aha moment occur in college or in their first job? Or when did that happen? And then going on to asking about their willingness to support women and minorities at work. And again, what actions were they actually taking? And then I took all of that material um, and looked for patterns and was able to define seven character prototypes of men at work. And the idea to the book, which is called Women in Tech, a book for guys, is that a man can identify with one of these character prototypes and then ask himself, would I like to do something more for women and minorities at work? And if the answer is yes, then simply read what the character prototype above his is already doing. So I'm not going to tell him what to do but he can read about examples and quotes and stories of what guys one step above him on this matrix is already doing and imitate and do more of those actions to graduate to the next level. I love this. Wow. This is so amazing because, you know, I started my podcast for women and then mm -hmm. I just added a section called mentors that make a difference, which is men and male allies really. And so we have a lot in common in that thought process. And then one of our uh, women in tech meetings, I 
proposed uh, the male perspective. And I got a lot of grief for that because they're like, why do we need men to tell us what to do? And it's like, no, it's understanding how they think and what they see. And you know, what we found is that the men were so much more complimentary of women and wanting to help, but women were the, their own worst enemies, basically. Mm. And so it was really interesting. So this is fascinating what you're saying that you did. And I was gonna ask you with the commonalities, you know, with the 60 interviews that you did, did you find anything that kind of repeated over and over and over again? Was there a pattern? Well, so, so out of these seven character prototypes, I've divided them into three groups. So the top three are called the advocates. The mm-hmm. middle three are called um, the allies. And mm-hmm. then at the bottom, we have the chauvinist. Mm-hmm. And the biggest group are the allies. And your mentor that you're talking about, mm-hmm. he also mm-hmm. falls into that middle category. He's the yeah. top of those three. Mm-hmm. And that... I think, uh, based on my research, I've found that 65% of men fall into that group. That's very interesting. And so, yes, there are a lot of recurring patterns, but those three character prototypes, they all have names. Mm -hmm. Um, Those three are called Memo, Al, and Cree. Memo Mm -hmm. is the mentor, Al is the happy-go-lucky ally, and Cree is friendly, wants to support, but doesn't even think that he's already doing anything so you have to dig a little bit deeper and you have to kind of ask him and say well do you have a partner do you have a sister do you have anybody Mm -hmm. that you know who you've supported maybe a woman you've worked with for a long time oh yeah 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 you know I just helped my daughter get into college um you know helped her with her application well you see you are helping somebody Uh and so there's a lack of awareness at the bottom of those three character prototypes Mm -hmm. and then Al who's in the middle of them is a huge group and really great potential to grow because he had his willingness to help is extremely high Mm -hmm. but he doesn't know what to do yeah yep and then the one above that is Memo the mentor that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and he is uh, especially when there's formalized mentorship programs and a structure around it he's very good um, and is comfortable helping and supporting women. If there is no structured program and he gets questioned, he may back away and feel a little bit insecure because he's not 100% sure like how to act or mm-hmm. people are questioning his motives. Right to say, yeah. And then the biggest difference between that group, the allies and the advocates, is really that the allies are still very much focused on, um, not focused on, I mean, they obviously are helping others, but they're still looking to themselves. Mm -hmm. They're still a little bit concerned about how their actions may affect their careers. Um, They are, so they they still look at themselves in the mirror a little bit more than the advocates who have shifted their focus entirely Mm. to other people. Mm -hmm. So interesting, so interesting. I'm ready to buy your book and read it. Um, it's going to give me a lot of insight. Um, so what should men be doing to facilitate gender equality? Give me like the top three things they could do. Okay. So, so (laughs) once again, the reason I created the seven character prototypes is because there is not one answer for all of these seven people or Mm -hmm. characters. 
Mm. It's very different. And we have to be super respectful of the guys who are at the bottom of this matrix. The mm-hmm. ones who are, mm-hmm. you know, the chauvinist is at the very mm-hmm. bottom. He goes by the name Richard. And he is opposed to change. He doesn't want things to change. He's afraid that women are going to take over the, the positions of men in the workplace. But we can't judge him because of that. There's a reason why he's like that. And so the finding the different motivators for different characters is really important. So somebody like Richard might only be motivated by facts. So giving him the statistics, 53% of all college graduates are women, 74% of all professional computing positions are held by men. Um, You know, in 2025, we're going to be whatever it is, 1.2 million people short staff Mm -hmm. in the tech Mm -hmm. industry, you know, giving him this kind of stuff that might motivate him um, and then giving him an opportunity to work with other men to support a single woman. So maybe there's one woman on their team and they together are supporting her as she's going on maternity leave. And he might be comfortable with that, but not doing anything on his own. Okay. And then as you climb, um, like I mentioned a few different things that the, the allies are doing, but then if you graduate all the way up to the advocates, when you move from Memo, the mentor, to the next level, which is the lowest one of the advocates, Samir, who's a sponsor, it's a huge step because mm-hmm. all of a sudden he is putting his own name on the line to promote other people. And so mm-hmm. one tangible thing that somebody like Samir does is he provides introductions and he does them in a way where it's not just throwing out, you know, to random names, but really offering women um, introductions that they may not be able to get to otherwise without this specific connection. It's making a woman visible both in a meeting or because she has accomplished or done something. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit higher up, but obviously all eyes are on him as he's doing this. And then the next step above that is not just supporting a single person at a time, perhaps multiple people, but one at a time. The mm-hmm. next one is really to start to change the culture inside the company. So when you get to that level, it is a leader. It's somebody who can really stand for this. It's somebody who understands why it's important to define what the values is of the company and how are we going to change things on our team or in this company to make a more inclusive environment. So I'm only mentioning this because there is not a single answer. This Mm -hmm. is what all men should do. I usually say that regardless if you're starting at the bottom of the matrix or if you're at the very top, there are three key things that I point to that are really important. One is improving in communication. So Mm -hmm. communication between people and communication as we know you're very patiently, for example, right now, listening to me because you don't know what's coming next. You have no idea what I'm going to say. So you're listening. That's Mm -hmm. a good form of communication. The next thing is to elevate each other rather than pushing each other down. It's so incredibly easy for us to use all of our power to push each other down. And it's much more difficult to use all of that power to elevate and lift each other up. And Mm -hmm. I think that you know, for me personally, that's been an incredibly important thing throughout my career. Like I said, my partner is also my husband. 
-hmm. And we decided we're very powerful people. And we decided very early on in our career and our life together that we were going to use all of our power to lift each other up and never to push each other down. That's great. And it's pretty magical. And you can do that with anybody, your children, your partner, your business friends, you know, anybody. Mm -hmm. And then the last- you make that the focus, you'll do it. Yep. Yes. And then lastly, you know, no judgment because we don't know why people act and behave the way they do. And so we, we can hear them out or we can let them be and we can accept them for they, what they are. And should they aspire to grow a little bit more, do a little bit more of something, then we can encourage them to do that and we can help them by giving them, you know, specific advice. So those three things are commonalities between all the steps. Incredible information. I'm just so fascinated by the research that you did and some of the results that you've gotten. But I completely agree. Communication, elevating each other, and no judgment. You can never go wrong with those three. So that's awesome. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Um, so since Gender diversity is so critical for business. What are the benefits that you find of female teams in an organization? What are some of the things they bring to the table? Um, are you are you referring to kind of a mix of men and women, or do you mean just women on a team? I no, I say you know the men and women, but what do the female? Uh, part of the team bring to an organization so that organizations who are thinking of DEI and, you know, bringing more women in tech, what can they see that we bring to the table that sometimes a man cannot? Well, um, I don't, I don't know that it's a specific thing for women, but we do Mm -hmm. tend to, um, think and and discuss and um, question things in a different way. And this is like, we're generalizing like crazy here because there's a lot of women who are like men and a lot of men who are like women. But but the fact is that when you get a mix of different backgrounds and um, not just, you know, so it's more of a diversity of thought or how we process things and how we communicate and how we draw conclusions and how we remember things. Um, we tend to, as women, to do it differently than men. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily better or worse. It's no, I don't think that, it's better, but it's more yeah. collaborative, right? Yeah. I think women do more collaboration than men do. But but the thing is that for men, if you only put men in a room, so it, there's an interesting, you know, there's some interesting studies on on group constellations Mm -hmm. so with men they have very clear hierarchies so if you work with a group of let's say seven men Mm -hmm. there is one who is at the top of that hierarchy and then it and one person who is at the bottom and then 
when you take one person out of this mix, there is a 72 hour shuffle. You can literally hear it. And then the configuration is gonna change slightly. Maybe somebody goes up a level, maybe another one goes down a level, maybe it's gonna be the same leader. And then if you remove that leader, you're gonna have another reshuffle. And then after 72 hours, you have a new structure. And that structure holds until somebody else gets removed or somebody else gets added to the group. With women, we tend to go in every day and without saying a word to each other, sense who is stronger and who is weaker that day. Who needs support and who can we lift forward and to be the spokesperson for our group. And that means that women with, it's, it's unconscious, but we do tend to want to prove ourselves all mm -hmm. the time, over mm -hmm. and over every day, because that's just how we function. And it's kind of like a support mechanism. So if I'm having a terrible day and you walk into the room without me even saying any, anything, you can see that I've had a rough morning. And so mm -hmm. you'll fill in and you'll help me out and you'll speak up on, on my behalf if need mm -hmm. be. And I will do the same for you. So it gets really interesting when you have a mix of men and women in a group, because men can question like, why are these women, why do they need to prove themselves over and over? Why mm -hmm. do they all, always, but that's just because we work differently in a group setting than men do. Mm -hmm. And we as women have, also have to remember that there is a very particular hierarchy among the men who are in the room. And we need to pay attention to the men who are not speaking up as much, who perhaps are sitting quietly with their ideas. Mm -hmm. So I think just the general awareness of that we do function differently. And like you're saying, yes, there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of um, invisible support between women mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that perhaps men don't spend as much time on. What we can learn from men is that when there's a conflict, they can easily brush it off and walk out of the meeting and be perfectly fine. Yes, yes. So we can both learn from, from both sides, right? Completely agree, completely agree. So you've had a very successful and a very impressive career. What do you attribute your success to? If there was a couple things that you say, this is why I was so successful, what would they be? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a difficult question i do i do attribute a lot of it to the support that i've always received from my family yep. um, both you know my husband my children my parents i had you know i was so fortunate i had an amazing upbringing mm -hmm. um and i do recognize that often uh, because it's not there's very few people, I think, I mean, there's a lot of pain and suffering and a lot of it comes from family constellations and expectations mm -hmm. and things like that. My parents have always been very, very supportive and they still are to this day. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to attribute a lot of it to them. I think um, being in competitive sports um, is a big part of it. You know, I'm super competitive, mm -hmm. um, but I also, I'm a great believer in people. I love, it doesn't matter if I'm selling a clustered file system or a book that's about, you know, how, how men and women can support each other better in tech. I get really passionate about stuff 
because there's people behind everything. And every time I have an opportunity to interview and speak to people, it's like, I get more energy from that. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, So I think it's, it's my passion for people and understanding and learning that is really the most important. And I'm extremely, uh, tenacious I think people would say I I just don't do it very easily (laughs) yes that's definitely a quality that makes you successful so that's great so Eva who inspires you and why where do you get your inspiration um I'm constantly looking for new inspiration I'm always trying to broaden my mind um I have to say I was uh incredibly fascinated. Uh, I just read Dave Grohl's book, The Storyteller. Um, And to be inspired in a way where you walk away from a book feeling like you're alive and you're ready to, you know, share the love, basically, Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. really fast. So that's the last one I just read. And then, you know, people who have done a lot of um, studies, I'm just reading, um, Chipola's uh, books about stupidity and intelligence. (laughs) Um, So I get inspiration from anywhere and everywhere. And I try to remember to ask people what they're reading. Yeah. um, Because I think it's important to constantly feed the mind from all Mm -hmm. kinds of angles um, so that we don't stop growing. Great, 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 great. So what is your proudest professional moment? Can you tell us about it? Um, I think it was when, um, I think it was when we were acquired by Citrix. It was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it had been a long time coming. We'd been running Symbolic for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2008, we were, you know, very close to being acquired by Microsoft. And that went down the drain when the whole economy tanked. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a long and really, really tough recovery. Um, so the peak of all of that was obviously when we were finally acquired, Uh but it wasn't one that, that wasn't, of course it's the peak because it's like you reach the ultimate goal that you've been working so hard to achieve. Uh But at the same time, you know, I can be just as proud of juggling you know, the family and travel and work, all of those years, I could be super proud of those mm-hmm. because those, all of those years and the patience that the kids showed and, you know, I was constantly on the road um, and they turned out beautifully. You know, I have three amazing children mm-hmm. um, and that's, you know, I'm more proud of that really, but professionally, like if you want Mm -hmm. one specific moment, it's probably, you know, when the acquisition was, um, announced and there's, there's a little bit of a, um, there's a little bit of a, a downside to that story as well, which you can read about in the book, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. That's that's great. And you should be proud. That is a very, very big moment to say you've achieved that success that you've been striving for. So uh, as entrepreneurs, we do a lot to keep businesses running, to grow them, to maintain a culture, to main, maintain happy employees. You know, it's a lot of work. So that is a very proud moment. And 
Um, even though you were traveling, I'm sure you gave the attention to your kids that they needed and the support that they needed that they turned out so beautifully because you did lead them to good habits and good behaviors and just good people. So great, great job. Thank you. So as a successful leader in closing, what, what advice would you give to a woman that might be considering a career in the tech industry? Go for it. Yes. For it. <laughs> it's the best place to be. Uh, there is, you know, amazing people that to meet. There is fantastic technologies to learn. There is money to be made. Uh, and the tech industry needs you desperately you summed it up beautifully i've done a lot of podcasts but you summed it up beautifully so yes go for it is also my advice so eva this has been such an honor and such a joy to have a conversation with you thank you thank you for being on the show and i look forward to you coming back you know many more times but in the meantime could you share with our listeners how they could get a hold of you LinkedIn is where I live. Um, so just Eva Helen on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter and my website is eqinspiration.com. Great. Great. Well, thank you again. Tr truly appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. Um, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.